Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. We start with headline news and then journey into layered conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm Marcel Swally, that dude. And this week, I want to chop up some wood, starting with the Super Bowl. Woo! Y'all watch it? Were y'all there? Any of y'all? Oh, that's love, because I wasn't. I was at the crib chilling. Actually, I went to Keyshawn Johnson's Mahenta tequila tasting Super Bowl event. That was fun. A lot of people there. Free food, free drinks. So if it's free, it's me. I was in the building. Uh, family with me, MJ on my lap. We watched this game. It was an amazing game. And taking it all in, I was like, dog, this was what the NFL wanted. This is what the NFL needed. Two number one seeds going against each other, and it's going down to the last second. Great, great, great. But as we do, we beat up something to the point where we got to Pick a side. Got to be divided. Got to find which side you on. So tell me where you are. Did the Chiefs win it? Did the Eagles lose it? Or did the refs blow it? Mm, I think I hear the most that the refs blew it. Let's talk about what Bill Belichick told everybody and told me. More games are lost in the NFL than won. More games are lost than won. Know what that means? Your miscues, your mishaps. All the things that you did to beat yourself, that's what loses games in the NFL and actually wins games for the other team, right? So if you look at this game from that perspective, all of a sudden, you can't blame the refs. Yeah, that last one minute and 54 defensive holding call changed everything, didn't it? Or was it the 65-yard punt return? No, no, no. Or was it the fumble by Jalen Hurst as he was switching the ball? No, 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 no. Like, it's not how many good plays you make. It's how few bad plays you make, especially in high leverage games, high stakes poker. And we saw the pressure right there. And Jalen Hurst balled out of control. Patrick Mahomes balled out of control, especially with the compromised ankle. He didn't have the touchdowns uh, necessarily. Like Jalen Hurst had four of them things, three running. We saw him. He was balling. 
But what it came down to was who made the critical mistakes and who didn't. That penalty, you should call that penalty. Why? Because he held him. You can't hold Juju like that. Juju want to be. You can't hold him down like that. And I don't care when it happens. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Because that can affect the game both ways. You don't call it. Kansas City sitting there like, dog, that's a first down. That keeps us going. We could get some points off of this, which they did. But if you're the Eagles, you're sitting there like, don't call that. It's high leverage right now. Swallow your whistle. Man, I ain't swallowing jack. What am I going to swallow my whistle for? You did something wrong. Got to call it. But you know what you could have you done all this time? Did a lot of the other things right. And those few mistakes, and I'm not trying to harp on them. I'm just trying to show you, magnify how critical a mistake is, especially when it's the ultimate game. So that's what it came down to. Up 24-14 at half. Be real. We were watching the halftime show thinking, maybe this is going to be a blowout. You know, everybody was, if you're an Eagles fan, you were pumped to see Rihanna. You were a Chiefs fan. You were at the drawing board. You didn't even watch that halftime show. You're like, dog, we got to fix this. And Andy Reid came out fixing it. Goodness. Y'all forget Andy Reid went to those five straight NFC championship games, drawing it up, had Westbrook, had Big Nab, had T.O. for five seconds, and would draw it up. Well, not only did Patrick Mahomes get drafted to a playoff team, <laughs> they've been to five straight AFC championship games. You got the GOAT in the making. Yep, I said it. Patrick Mahomes. On a team that was already playoff built, dog, it's been silly. This is the dynasty in the making as we're watching the GOAT in the making. And that's me eating the crow because I thought it was going to take a little more time than this. I thought it was a roller coaster ride. I thought that even Patrick Mahomes had hit a wall. thought he had went through regression, all the above. Yep, yep, yep. Hater, whatever you want to call me. Oh, but um, I give you your flowers, bro. <laughs> you are a monster. And Patrick Mahomes went compromised. Let me say it. Maybe a better quarterback because he's so talented, uber talented, that when he's feeling good, he just throws the ball anywhere. He just flings it anyway. He just says, forget the technique, sidearm, underarm, <laughs> overarm. I mean, what the hell? He does it all. But when you compromise, all of a sudden you got to focus in, right? You know how it goes. They say if you lose one of your senses, one of your five senses, the others are heightened. I think that's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Like when he's hurt, the ankle's hurt. And he's been here before with that high ankle sprain. Oh, it's just going to make everything else get better. Focus in more on everything else, especially his technique. So he's more fundamentally sound, actually, when he's hurt. Man, that ain't good for the league. <laughs> so you think you're the Eagles, you're going to go hurt him. Oh, y'all ain't do that. Y'all blaming the refs. Did y'all get a sack? Not one sack in that game. You can't have an injured quarterback who's a GOAT in the making and not get to him once. That's a problem. So Chiefs win it? Yeah, they did. Those second-half adjustments, they won it. Did the Eagles lose it? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, being real, the fumble, the kick return, you gave up 65-yarder. Obviously, the holding at the wrong time. Not the right time, the wrong time. It all adds up, and it's a game of inches. And we're splitting hairs right here. So I can't blame the refs, even though I know a lot of people out there are trying to do it. It makes you just think like, damn, Patrick Mahomes so good. Two rings out of three appearances. Played a good game finally, so he got that monkey off his back. First two Super Bowl appearances. Not Patrick Mahomes necessarily. And this one you could say, oh, it wasn't his best game, but it was a good game. Right? Went out there and balled and got the victory. How many is he going to win? 
Tom Brady just retired, y'all. I mean, just retired again. He just retired, and already we're like, that seven looks like it's in danger. <laughs> like, Mahomes got two already. He ain't even 27. Huh? Man, it's going to be a problem. This dude is special. And you're looking at him, Hall of Fame resume. Look at it right now. Five years, two Super Bowl championships, two Super Bowl MVPs, two-time MVP of the league, five Pro Bowls, and twice first-team All-Pro. Yeah. This sucker <laughs> ain't playing no games. But, you know, he went against another quarterback who ain't playing games. Jalen Hurst was balling. Jalen Hurst was balling. That last play, <laughs> let's just hope he slipped because he did have to change his cleats, cleats before. Let's just hope that um, that $800,000 sod that the NFL spent their money on that took two years, that was a waste of money. Just go to natural turf. I don't know why everybody be acting like, oh, you're going to get hurt if you go on turf. Fool, you're going to get hurt if you play football. It ain't about the turf. Man, go to turf and stop spending $800,000 on some damn messed up sod, some old bad beach volleyball looking stuff. It just didn't work. Guys were changing their cleats. Guys were slipping all around. Maybe he slipped when he threw that last Hail Mary. You know how you supposed to spell Hail Mary, H-A-I-L, H-E-L-L. <laughs> it was a hell no, nah, that ain't a Hail Mary. He threw that, th that ball like 30 yards. Like, come on, Jalen, do better. But great game by him. Great game all around. I think both sides play well. I mean, they play well enough to win against any other team. But you're going against the best. So those miscues came back to haunt them. Speaking about something coming back to haunt, Fletcher Cox. Um, bruh, the satin blouse. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? You got the chunky out. You got the double chunks. All right. The taco meat. Whatever, the blouse, uh, the, the lavender blouse or whatever color. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Juju, like, with his kilt on. What you mean what are we doing here? Like, these cats, I know it's the biggest game. You got to show up and show out. But, God, dog, chill. Like, you like Patrick Mahomes. Wear a nice, sophisticated-looking suit. Like, yeah, I'm dressed for the occasion. Mess it up with some big Oakleys you're getting paid to wear. But, you know, do you. And um, after that, just chill. Like, you can't go to the biggest event and put on your biggest and baddest. It always turns into overkill, right? And Fletcher Cox, God, dog. I don't know what Marvin Gaye, Lou Rawls got into him, but he just didn't look right. It didn't add up. Ricky Smiley was on his head. It was funny to watch. But, hey, man, the festivities that surround the game, because we know it's not just about the ball. It's about the business. It's about halftime show. It's about... Who's singing in pregame and all that? Who's doing the national anthem? Oh, what are the guys wearing when they go to the game? All that stuff. But let's go to that halftime show. Because was it good? Was it great? Or was it God awful? Y'all know damn well it wasn't great. So let's, let's just get that off the board. Rihanna trying to use her pregnancy for cover. First of all, congratulations. And at the same time, no excuses. Just like the game you covering and the game you singing at. If you are crossing the white lines, as they say in the NFL, oh, no excuses. Pregnancy included. I'm being real. Like, people are saying, oh. I said, was it a good performance? <sighs> Did you like Rihanna's performance? <clears throat> but, and they all ended with this. But she was pregnant. Okay. There's next year. You can always do it next year, the year after. You ain't got to go out there pregnant and say, you know what? 
I'm going to rob some of my performance because I'm pregnant. Like the thing about Rihanna that I love the most, and I think most people do, is how indifferent she can be, like how big and how bad her middle finger can be to like standards and expectations and still get the job done, still be the greatest artist out there, like one of the greats, right? But not known as a great performer. So part of me was already measured like, I mean, how long are we going to hear Umbrella? Eh, eh, you know, I ain't want to hear the old songs only. But then I was like, I don't do that to some of the other acts when they show up. Give me that old stuff. Give me that old heat. As long as it's great, right? So I wasn't mad at that. But it was in my head like, oh, we about to be nostalgic up in here. Like, she ain't got no new heat, really. I mean, the Black Panther song, but that ain't going to flow. That ain't going to go. That's too slow. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So we're not doing that. All old school. That's cool. Rihanna, bang. You know, give me some run this town. Give me some AA umbrella. Give me all that. And then you started to realize as the dress was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, <laughs> not knowing it was hiding that belly that was already big, right? The little bump. Um, the craziest thing was it was an underwhelming performance that was excused because of pregnancy. Here we go in this world again, giving excuses just because, oh, you know, like once you pull in the heartstrings, oh, you know, like you see a short guy who can't play basketball, but he's doing okay. Oh, well, he's little. Is he good? Is he sorry or not? <laughs> like, I don't give a damn how tall he is. Like, it's some sorry tall dudes and it's some great little dudes. But I'm not giving you a pass because you little and you try. <laughs> like, that's what's the problem. Like, she pregnant, but she tried. Did she really try? The lip syncing wasn't even trying. And I don't care if you lip sync. I really don't because it's hard to dance and sing because <laughs> I can't do either. Actually, I'm a lie. Big usher in the building. I can dance, but I can't dance and sing. That ain't happening. So when she did it, I was like, she ain't really trying. She ain't trying to move that much. Okay, doctor's note. She ain't trying to sing on cue. That ain't the doctor's note. That's just like, you know how Rihanna act, middle finger to the air. And it wasn't uh, something that everybody was supporting. It's funny because you look at it and all of a sudden you start hearing the naysayers. You check Twitter and you're like, oh, dang. She got Donald Trump on her head, former president. She got Kodak Black calling Donald Trump uncle. And then now he's supporting Trump saying, that's your God. That's your God. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, to me, I knew it was bad because I looked at all the ladies in the room where we were and I was trying to say, who's the Rihanna supporters and who's the Rihanna stands in here? And I was looking through the performance cause I wasn't tripping. I'm a DJ and Super Bowl performances for me ain't nothing but a time to reload for the food and reload that drink. I wasn't tripping on the performance that much. And then I kept looking, I like, these people in here trying to play it off. Like they pump. They ain't hype. And then at the end, I just went direct, went in hot. Like, did you like it? How was the performance? Um, well, I was like, uh-huh. It is. It happens. I ain't mad at her, but she got her thing sold. I tell you that. That new album coming out. Oh, y'all gonna buy it because that's what y'all do. Um, it's the biggest promotional tool in the world, the Super Bowl. So we saw that, and y'all all owe Stephen A an apology. <laughs> Remember when Stephen A said, uh, let me just say, um, Rihanna's no Beyonce, <laughs> right? Y'all went at his head. Y'all better get off his head. He told y'all it was a little bit different. Oh, man, everybody had to chalk that one up. And it was weird, but it's all good. 
it's all good. She got the promo she wanted. And speaking of the promo, the commercials. Let me give you my list of commercials. I know y'all like y'all's. I like mine. Let me hear that you know my list. Honorable mention, it was Skechers with Snoop. Skechers messing around and trying to get real cool around here. Denying Kanye that time in the building. <laughs> Damn. And now Snoop endorsing it makes sense because you can say one thing about Snoop is that he's cool. Like, you know, everybody that meets Snoop, everybody that knows Snoop, everybody just knows the brand of Snoop. It's a cool brand, dog. He could support, promote, advertise anything because coolness, cool factor, it factor, right? So Snoop, y'all did that, but y'all ain't top three for me. It was um, one typical. I just knew, I knew what to expect as soon as I saw it start. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go, 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 go. And it was still great. Top four. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But top three is Pepsi Zero Sugar with Ben Stiller. That was sick because he was like, is it great acting or great tasting? Right? And then it, we went through all them scenes. Once again, I'm like, all right, get past the scenes. Get past the scenes. Let's get to it. Oh, he just issued a challenge. The only way we're going to know if Pepsi Zero is better than Diet Coke and Coke Zero, which it ain't, unless y'all sponsoring my show. Uh, no, it ain't. <laughs> is you got to go taste it. Great, clever way. Great challenge. I like that. Number two, Uber One with Diddy. That was dope. That was dope. It was hilarious, too, because uh, I don't know what my man's name was, like the new Bentley Fox, Fonsworth, whatever his name is. Diddy don't do jingles. <laughs> Diddy don't do jingles. That was the best part of that whole commercial. Montel Jordan, stars everywhere. That was dope. Uh, but my favorite one was the one that hit me upside the head. I was like, yo. Somebody got paid to do this one. Somebody earned their money. It was that Sam Adams commercial. Brighter Boston, right? That was sick. Because they used all the stereotypes of Boston, all the crazy ones, the mob and all negativity and all. I'm the baby cousin nephew of New York and all that. And they went at it, clowning all those stereotypes. Mob bosses and mafia cats seem like opening up the trunk. You thought it was a dead body. Nah, it's just a bag of recyclable cans. <laughs> Kevin Garnett to my spread love instead of all the hate. It was good. Really good. To me, that was the best one because it was entertaining like the rest. Funny, but even better, clever. Like it hit me, caught me on the on the side a little. Bye -bye. I was like, all right, that's the best one. Y'all let me know what was y'all favorite one because that one, hard to beat. Now, speaking of something uh, that was not only historical, but really had impact. Uh read a bunch of articles about Mahomes and Jalen Hurts being the first two black quarterbacks to start in a Super Bowl and the significance of that. Oh, man, that's an interesting one for me because I'm not going to downplay the significance of it because it's the first time it happened, right? Um, but I've always gotten into these conversations, especially on race, about when you're the first to do it, like, how loud is that celebration versus the expectation that, yeah, we can do it, and it's just now it happened. So it's kind of like, all right, water off a duck's back or something of that nature, right? Like, how much do you make a big deal of it? It's interesting because these guys are pioneers in the sense that they were the first to do it. But they didn't have anybody to look at to do it, right? Doug Williams, 1987, he did it by himself, but he did it. And when he did it, you're like, oh, it can be done. Or did you say that? Because I didn't say that. 
Because I already knew it could be done. It's just a matter of time. And when it is done, I'm clapping, but I'm also clapping like in support of this is the example being shown of what I already envisioned. Like there have been things in my life, things in your life, I'm sure that you have envisioned, didn't have an example and still went out there and did it. So I guess you're the pioneer of that. A lot of you guys may be first generation graduate of college, right? First generation college graduate. You ain't seen anybody else do it in your family, but you did it. For me, it was going to Columbia, obviously. I mean, I ain't seen nobody go to Columbia, especially where I'm from. But I already envisioned it, so I knew I can do it. And I went and endured and did it. So when I heard this as a huge accomplishment, I was like, yep, the example is there now. But the vision, the vision has already been there. And I wonder like motivation for people. Like, are you the type that needs to see something like that for you to be motivated to go do it? Or are you the type that feels just more confident in doing it just because you saw them do it? Or are you like me? I don't give a damn if you did it or not. I'm doing it. And when I do it, I want to be recognized not by subtitle, first to black, but just quarterbacks, right? It's interesting because that's where I've always been in mindset, but it's been challenged. And I and I wonder because I wonder if my kids will challenge it in terms of what are their motivational tools? Are they going to be the types that need to see it? Or are they going to be the types that would like to see it because it just encourages them? Or are they going to be like that and give a damn? If, if a tall guy dunks, oh, I could do it too. No, if I got hops, I could dunk even if I'm short. <laughs> like I don't need it. but. I don't want to come off as dismissive to those who do actually and thoroughly intrigued by it. Like you really do. So you're never going to do something first. Oh, you will, but it's going to be that much more difficult. But why? How come? So Jalen Hurts, more than anything, it was just based on birth certificate. What is it? Second year in the league? Like Patrick Mahomes like, yeah, I did it my second year in the league too. Like, it's weird. Like, as much as we're going to make it a historical thing, we're talking about two dudes who were doing it in their second years. Third year for Jalen Hurts, but you can really count that for sure. Um, point being, unreal. Unreal. I saw it. It's significant. It is Black History Month. Give it love. But at the same time, I challenge everyone out there to be your own pioneer, right? Just envision whatever you want to do and go do it. And then when you do it, hopefully we'll be at a place where you get to sit where everyone else sits, not in the subcategory, where they're actually just giving you props, not props for a black quarterback, not props to be one of the two starting black quarterbacks. Just wholesome, just pure, simple props. Look forward to seeing that. Mm. Speaking of something, look forward to seeing is how this Michael Irvin case going to play out. Goodness. Did y'all hear at the Super Bowl, Michael Irvin uh, removed from all his duties with the NFL Network because of some incident that happened at the hotel. Mm. Then he files a lawsuit for a hundred million. Oh, my. Saying, hey, y'all rushed to judgment and y'all have now 
mischaracterized me. Oh, Michael Irvin, get your money. Oh, they're going to settle this. This thing getting settled. Trust. <laughs> Ain't nobody trying to get deposed over this. Nobody trying to go through all that legwork. What did they say? 97% of all cases are settled. This is getting settled. Um, not for $100 million, but it's getting settled. He's going to get him a nice, easy check off of this. But I don't know how easy, man, because there's two ways it went. It's, there are two ways this went. Did Michael Irvin hmm, actually do something, got his hand caught in the cookie jar, or he didn't do anything? Innocent victim. Let's talk about the two scenarios. All right. So the one that I simply envision is this. Not knowing if it's right or wrong because I wasn't there. Michael Irvin walking through the through the hall, hallway in the lobby. Michael Irvin just walking. Everybody looking. This is Michael Irvin. <laughs> and you probably hear him before you even see him because it's Michael Irvin. I mean, he's bigger than life. That's just real. Every time I see Mike, it's real. It's big personality. And it's great. Like, he's like everyone granddaddy, uncle. Like, he just, he's just a good, cool dude, right? And then some, some lady says something to him. And Mike, like, he shoot his shot quick. Probably, like he said, he only talked for a minute. He shot his shot. I don't know. There's one way this this could go. She's talking about, oh, man. Michael, I love, I love you. He's like, how much you love me? <laughs> oh, you're the best. Oh, you want to see how much good I could be? <laughs> how good I could be? Oh, let me stop. Um, She's shooting her shot. Mike, like, shoot. One thing I know I could do is catch. And I could catch your shot if you're shooting it. <laughs> right? Maybe that happened. And then all of a sudden, you never know. Somebody heard it. Maybe boyfriend showed back up. Girlfriend heard, was like, girl, you a hoochie. Like, what you doing? Uh, whatever it is. So, uh, music stopped. And then she came to her senses. Maybe that. Or my girlfriend didn't shoot a shot, right? You know, I, I've seen this, and this happened to me before. Goodness. Ain't nothing worse than when a woman thinks, She's entitled to touch you, talk to you, holler at you, and you just better accept it. Why? Because I'm a woman. The tables have turned. The rabbit has the gun. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm not consenting to this, this ain't happening. Like, right? Like, it's weird because when a dude hollers at a girl, I don't know. It just looks like he's shooting his shot. And it's sometimes in the dark. Like, he's just hoping. But when a woman shoots her shot, it's like, if this fool... This, this is me. If this fool denies me, if this fool, and I'm like, damn you, arrogant. Like every time I've been shot at by a woman, oh, arrogant. <laughs> like calm down. Um, even the fine ones, even the ugly ones, it don't matter. All of them. So maybe, maybe he didn't shoot a shot. Maybe Michael Irvin just walking in. She like the 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 audacity, the, the elegance of Michael. You know, and then that gets them in their feelings, too. That gets people in their feelings, too. What? Oh, you trying to trip? You trying to diss? Oh, okay. How many girls have said that before? Man, fuck you then, girl. <laughs> that. Well, maybe her fuck you then, Mike, was this. Mm, there are two scenarios. Ah, which one I believe? Probably the third one. <laughs> we all know it's three sides to the story, right? Your side, their side, and the truth. Um... Now, I think I think on this one, I think Mike probably walked through too much fame, too much at, uh, on the line, too much at risk. She shot her shot, felt bad, turned it into more than it was. 
they rushed to judgment because of the name and the climate and just did what they did, not expecting somebody to to sue you for a hundred million dollars. So I think that's how that played out. It's crazy, but oh, I think it's about to happen. Michael, everybody get that huge settlement and it's going down. Speaking of crazy, Ponte Davis, man. Mm. Oh, went to sleep on the side of a highway near two wrecked vehicles after he was accused of drunkenly crashing his Tesla. Oh, all bad. Drunk, side of the highway, already crashed, and it's a Tesla? You know I love me some Teslas. Come on, bro. Do better. Um, This just takes me back. Retired players, brothers. Retired pr- players out there. Mm, it's a different world. It's the real world, too. I mean, we balled and we worked hard and we were blessed to live on Fantasy Island playing ball, but it's the real world out there. And there's something about being a former player where you're seeking that thrill. You're seeking that adrenaline rush. You're seeking that 80,000 people's seated stadium is just screaming at you, but now you're just in your Tesla. You need to hear that roar in your Tesla. And I've been there. Look, I fell down as many times as I've gotten up, but I just got up one more time, right? That's me. I'm, that's the champion in me. I just try to get up one more time. Um, I'm looking at this like, how do I reconcile this? You're a retired player. You don't want your highlights to be behind you. You don't want the game to be the best part of your life. No, you got to create new highlights, new endeavors, new things, new passions. Something that gets the juices flowing once again. Maybe not to the same level as being a guy who just made an interception. And that interception got 80,000 people screaming your name. And 1,000 people waiting for your autograph. Maybe it's going to come in a different complexion. A different look. A different set of circumstances. But it can come. Broadcasting does it for me. Talking does it for me. Is it the same? No. This ain't Buffalo Bills Stadium, damn it. I ain't running out the tunnel from darkness to light and having everyone go, Wiley. That's not happening. But it's happening in different ways. In ways that I actually love and respect. But when you're seeking that, until you can find peace in what you have now and redistribute, like redistribute all of that passion somewhere else, or you're going to be spiraling out of control. Oh, man, I didn't know it at the time, but one thing I did, and active player, former player, retired player, you seeking that high. Oh, you seeking that high. And this one reminded me of when I wrecked my Ferrari, and I don't say that in a braggadocious way. I actually say it because it was my dream car, unless you know how fast your dreams can become nightmares. Um, Go to the club. By myself, caravan of people meeting me there. We're going. Uh, just got my car out the shop. Just got my sounds in it. Oh, couldn't hear nothing. I couldn't even hear a Ferrari engine. That lets you know how much I was bumping. It was dark blue, hard top, uh, peanut butter inside. Oh, it was sick. And I knew I was hurting them because, I mean, one, it's a Ferrari, but two, it's my ass in it. <laughs> Dusty old Marcellus from Compton and Slauson up in there. Yeah, I knew I was hurting them. That's why I went by myself. 
because I knew I wasn't going home by myself. I knew that. <laughs> that part. Michael Irvin, lobby girl. <laughs> stop. So um, I'm at the party. I'm winning. It's, it's, it's what it is. Somewhere in Hollywood. And then I saw an old friend that um, needed to become a newer friend because we had unfinished business. Let's just say that, right? <laughs> like, I tried to holler before, eh, and now I ain't had to holler. I had to get hollered at, right? She was like, all right, she chosen. She chose me. You know the name of the game. So mm, we riding back. Now I'm in a Ferrari with a beautiful woman who I've never, ever seen beyond club confinements and streets, right? And we riding back, so I'm showing off. I'm showing off, I'm showing out. I'm with the group of everybody else, and whatever they were in, it ain't going to keep up with me, right? So I'm riding, I'm riding, I'm riding, I'm riding. I'm trying to show off every red light. You know what I'm saying? I'm just hitting it. Uh, Let me remind y'all, this is my first day with this car. (laughs) First day. Let me remind y'all that um, those sound effects, I couldn't hear because I didn't. Turn down my music. I'm bumping for her. I'm showing off for her. Doing the most. Seeking that high kind of too. All right. Next thing I know, we riding up La Cienega. And that her that I felt more than heard. Insane. Now, rookie mistake time. I'm riding left. And all of a sudden, I hit one of those construction plates. Those big, huge metal ones that always come with that like asphalt ramp around it, the perimeter. So it goes up in the air like six inches or whatever. And then metal plate. Y'all seen them before? Yeah, usually you roll over them and it's all good. Probably usually because you're not in a Ferrari, which is so low to the ground when I hit it. I'm in the air. Damn it. I'm in the air. And I'm with her. I got another life in my hands on this steering wheel in the air going 120 at least in the air. I'm like, Oh God, do not hit the center divider. That's all bad. So I'm going towards it in the air. And I'm just saying the quickest prayer, please just land and turn away. Hit the ground. And I'm already, the wheel is jack right, pretty much. <laughs> Miss the center divider. But watch what you ask for in life. <laughs> you just might get it. I ain't want to hit the center divider. I didn't finish the prayer and tell him, God, this is what I really want. Just to stop in the middle of the road. Instead, here comes that tree. George, George, George of the jungle. I'm going right at the tree. Now I'm like, damn, I would have took the center divider, I think, over the tree. I don't know. Two bad choices, a true dilemma. Hit that tree going like 120. All of a sudden, I saw like fairy dust, the color of the car just floating in the air. And you guys know anything about Ferraris? The front is not the engine. It's actually a trunk. The back is the engine. Oh, that's a blessing. And I'm just sitting in the car. It felt like somebody ran up to me and hit me with a feather. I mean, ran up to me with all their might and all their strength, hit me with a 
feather. I didn't feel anything. And it was a good thing. Not because I was numb or paralyzed. That car absorbed all of that tree. Boom. Like nothing. Immediately I turned to her. You okay? Eyes bigger than her. Yeah, I'm okay. I was like, what? I swear, my life flashed before my eyes, but I didn't see anything. It was weird. I didn't see anything. But I knew that that pain, that that sunken heart felt like I could have died. All my friends come. All my friends show up. Oh, oh you good? You good? They looking at like, y'all all right? All right? I'm like, yeah, actually we are. Now let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> Remember I told y'all the story before. California, California Highway Patrol, Ben told me, leave a note dip i ain't gonna say which officers but leave a note dip ah so i jump in the car with them and i dip why do we dip because i am not sitting at that scene going through all of those tests breathalyzer not going through all that i wasn't drunk but i ain't going through the i ain't going through the test um reckless driving i got i got a ticket for that before got an officer told me you go double the speed limit that's reckless driving you get arrested i was like nope i ain't taking no chances we I just survived. I am out. Left the note. Friends took me to the house. And that's when it hit me. I laid in the bed for three days. Seriously. All I did was get up to get something to eat. And I ain't eat much. Three days. Y'all know I had my pee bottle next to me. (laughs) So I just roll over. Get up. Get something to eat. And laid there. I really felt like. I escaped death. And it was crazy. All my people blowing me up, hit me up. Talk to my my family. I was like, I'm going. I was just, I was really despondent. I was distant from myself. I wasn't in my body. Every time I was running that scenario in my head, what if I had died? So it just makes me think of when I hear Vontae Davis' story, like what Junior Seau, the late great, you know, he ran his car off the cliff. We all thought it was an accident. Was it? Vontae Davis in this situation, you know, drunk, crashing. I'm just here as a cautionary tale, man, and just to make sure you understand how precious life is and how precious you are, big dog, and you survived something. Uh, let's learn from that lesson. Uh, and P.S., those three days I laid in the bed, it wasn't all that bad. She stayed with me. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm stupid. Oh, man. All right. Let's switch gears and talk about something that um, I don't know how more personal I can get than that story. But uh, let's talk about Stephen A. Smith, who says his, um, I guess, issues with Kyrie Irving are personal. Mm. Mm. Interesting. This is dangerous, y'all. Um, he, he went on Pat McAfee's show, uh, talked about it in in depth, and also talked about like him and Jay Will. Obviously, we know they had their conversation on air about it. Um, but this is dangerous. But it's also enlightening. So I'm not mad at Stephen A. Smith for keeping it 100. But this is when keeping it real goes wrong. Um, it's personal. Now, human beings doing objective anything, anything that's supposed to be like a, a official, a referee supposed to be objective, but a human being's doing it. So he's not going to be perfect at it. 
So no one is perfect in them being objective. No one is perfect in being objective. Yours truly included. Now, that said, when you make that admission, woo, you might be a little too far away from the imperfect objective standard. You get me? Okay. So how does this come out? How does this play out? Well, through your analysis of Kyrie Irving on and off the court, how much of this is laced with bias? And how much of this is just personal? So therefore, there's never a rooting interest for him to look good, to sound great, to come out on top. That's the danger in it, right? And let me tell you from my experiences. Uh, my first bad experience wasn't personal in terms of I was taking a shot, but because I was personally in it, I didn't know how to separate just yet. The subjective, the objective was personal versus just doing your job, right? It was Mike Smith, if you guys remember, former Jacksonville defensive coordinator for the Jags, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And I knew Mike Smith because I played for him. And I just went and just went into our locker room, went into our defensive meeting rooms and just told it like I saw it. And it was personal. But I didn't account for everybody else in that room. I didn't account for everything else that was going on with that team. I didn't even account for what Coach Mike Smith was doing as a coach or how he was going to take my criticism, which to me is something you should always factor in and still be objective as great as you can, as good as you can. And the reason I bring that up is because I remember saying it. And it was something like they were like, I said all these things about our team. Not all flattering either. And they were like, so you're trying to say it was a clown show or a joke? And instead of correcting them for every little thing, I just said, yeah, it was kind of like that. And it wasn't. But in summation, I let them run with it and I just took it there. Why? Because it was personal to me. And it's interesting when you don't look in the mirror and when you don't cross-reference being objective with being personal. You can fall into that trap. And then you say stuff that you're like, uh, that didn't go through the filter properly, right? So I look at Stephen A. Smith and I'm wondering like, how much didn't go through the filter when it comes to Kyrie Irving? And I'm not saying not be authentic. I'm saying, how much was this just your colored lens looking at Kyrie Irving only the way you see him, but not who he's really in totality, man, danger. Because I work with guys all the time. And I used to hate this. The worst part is working with somebody who you know is being personal. Oh, I don't like dude. Okay, that's fine. Now we do the topic. Damn, you didn't say one good thing about the dude. <laughs> like, first of all, there's no one we could talk about that you can't say something good about because you got to be good enough to be talked about. And if we're not going to go there, what the hell are we doing? Like he's a star for a reason because he's a damn good player. You ain't got nothing good to say? Oh, interesting. Interesting. All right. We're going to figure this one out, right? So I'm looking at it from that perspective, like, damn. He didn't. He didn't give him his due. He didn't give him his flowers. He didn't give him his cred. Not fully. Personal. That's what it does. When you're personal, you ever talk to somebody and you're like, yo, can you see the forest from the trees? And most people can't. Because they are so emotionally laced 
with what is personal to them. You're like, extract from that. Hover over that, what you feel, and talk about it for real. And that's what I'm I'm hoping that comes from this because I'm looking at the situation like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Since you and Kyrie got something personal going on, or you have it towards him at least, that's why it sounds like bashing more than not. That's why it sounds like, oh, a little lopsided. That's why Jay Will looking at you crazy. Hmm. I know I'm going to be looking at it different now since I know it is actually personal. And speaking of looking at something crazy, you know what's crazy? Oh, man, teammates and one is dating your mama. <laughs> Beasley and Pippen Jr. Malik Beasley dating Pippen Jr. mama. Larson. Pippen. Pippen. I don't know why that sound messy. Maybe because it is. I don't know why it sounds nasty. Maybe because it is. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm tripping over it. Because maybe nothing wrong with it. But it is a spider web that certainly got some cats tangled up in it. I mean, I've been there before where I had teammates date somebody else's wife and then marry him. And then we like, dog, you know him though. Yeah, but I mean, oh God. You never listen after yeah, but because you just know. They ain't going there. They ain't going there. They excuse them for you do sin as well, right? So I'm like, damn. I mean, I had teammates like that. You're like, oh my God, that's what they doing. Uh obviously Gates married my ex-fiance and he knew it, but Gates my homie. So uh I don't know if I could have been Gates, but I was <laughs> she was my fiance first. He met her. Hey, if I all when everybody wanted me to be mad, all I said is this. I hope they get married. I hope they go all the way with it. Because if not, then it's like, dog, don't do somebody that I used to love like that and just be flangy with them. Like, then now it's messy. It's just like, but you know, ain't no guarantee. So I didn't feel any certain way. I was just like, I would have found somebody else, but she was hella fine. So I, <laughs> that part. Uh, the thing is, you imagine going to the locker room. What up, dog? Oh, chilling, man. What's up? Oh, man. Just getting here. What you doing? Oh, man. I just got here, too. You know, I was at your crib. Oh, yeah. I saw you and mom's. <laughs> she just. What's up, dog? What you do last night? Oh, man. Your mama. Like, look, come on, man. We ain't doing that. Like, this is the locker room. I'm in the locker room. This is how we clown. Oh, man. Where y'all going next week? What y'all doing for bye week? Well, y'all, y'all, they in basketball. So they're going to be like, oh, what you going to do for All-Star break? Oh, man, I don't know what, Larson. I don't know what your mama talking about. <laughs> God dang. Oh, man, man, look, all I'm saying is there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. But it's also just find another cat. <laughs> you ain't got to just keep skinning the same one. All right, speaking of how to skin a cat, this is an interesting story. Russell Wilson and his charity. And the funds that have been mismanaged, quote unquote, really? They, y'all see this article? USA Today published an article about Russell Wilson's Why Not You Foundation. Yeah, I wish it wasn't you, Russell. I wish it was somebody else. Why not you? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, they talk about how he spends only 24 cents of every dollar that they raised on charity and charitable activities. Oh, my. Nearly twice as much, 1.1 million went towards salaries, employee benefits at the foundation. One of the executives earns $200,000 a year. 
Also works for Russell Wilson's business ventures. Uh-oh, for-profit mixing with non-profit problems. Okay, let's talk it. Russ and them came out and said, hey, hey, wait a minute now. Now, hold up. Wait a minute. It sound like, <laughs> like an ice cube jacket for beats. Now, wait a minute. Um, he said that they work with a lot of organizations that directly donate to causes. Hmm. And that he doesn't care about credit as much as the impact. And that sounded good. But then some of these companies don't even show on their tax statements. So that sounds like at least improper management. No, not swindling necessarily, but just get your books right. And get your get your business in order, nonprofit or for profit. Right. Hmm. I'm bringing this up because I know a lot of people in this space. Um, I'm in this space. And we all want to do good. Here's the thing. A lot of people don't want to admit to the double bottom line, which is do good and do well, right? Do good and help people, but also get paid to do it or at least pay others to do it so that they can live a nice lifestyle as well as help others. So how do you do both? Well, the simple way is to have two distinct a nonprofit and a for-profit. And it's it's funny because everyone thinks that if you're trying to help and do good, you got to have a nonprofit. No, you don't actually. Lorene Jobs, look her up. Steve Jobs' widow. Um, I actually know her. We walked through Nickerson Gardens together in Watts. Yes, we did. She worked like 20-some billion. I'm worth like 20-some dollars. I felt, I felt comfortable. I felt good. I felt at home. But we walked through there and she has a for-profit. Yes, she does. Emerson Collective is called. She's not the only one. Uh, Bill Clinton, uh, et cetera. Like big, 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 big money. Oh, they, they're doing the double bottom line. And I wonder if Russ really wants to do the double bottom line, but just because of reputation or just because of ignorance doesn't know that you can do both. Help, 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 and help those who are helping. <laughs> like it's just that simple. Um, but uh, as I'm building out Marcellus Wiley Inc., which is a for-profit, I also have my project transition, which is a nonprofit. But you got to make sure that they're separate. You got to make sure that they're different and distinct. Or you find yourself in hot water, like Russell Wilson. This is a lot of bad press. You know, this is how you dry up donations. This is how you get into bad situations and predicaments. This is how you go to jail if you mess around too hard. So, all I'm saying is with this situation, if you're Russell Wilson, clean it up, big dog. Simple as that. Clean it up, big dog. Because I, I don't want to sit here and think Russell Wilson. Well, I started charity if you out to just rob everyone. But you can't be ignorant either. And ignorance is no excuse. Those people need help. Uh, 25% should go to your nonprofit salaries, payments, et cetera, uh, speakers, et cetera. More like 75% should go to the charity, not the flip, not the way you got it so far. Let's talk about this. Um, I'm scared to call it a story, but I'm about to make it a story. <laughs> it's just a tweet. It's just something that hit my radar that I want to address because I think there are deeper issues than just what we see on the surface. Let me read the tweet first. Now, I'm scared to say who tweeted me this because uh, I've been called someone who 
it's giving this guy free publicity and attention. Like basically a lot of cats like dog, every time you talk about him, that's the only time he gets talked about. And I ain't into all that. Like I'm higher or lower kind of stuff. I got more followers and all that. I don't care about that. Um, but I don't want to give the guy attention, especially if he's going to benefit from him when I don't agree with him. Now I don't dislike dude. Um, I don't dislike him cause I don't know him. I just dislike what he says or what he does in persona, but I don't know in to- totality and its entirety, if he a good dude or not, but trust me, I ain't got no beef. So if I see you, bruh, trust me, ain't nothing going to happen because I ain't going to do nothing. And you better not either. <laughs> All right. Let's get that out of the way. Now I might still say your name. Cause the way I am coach always said names and numbers, right? If you got a problem with somebody, coach always said that when we go out there and win, it's a we. When we mess up and lose, it's a me. And if you're going to talk shit about somebody, names and numbers. I might get there. But for right now, let's put that to the side. Forget who he is. Here's the tweet. And he didn't think I saw it because I used to go into Twitter beefs. And I'm now, I'm a grown man. Now, let me stop. Um, I, I don't express myself in its best version on Twitter. I don't think anybody does for real, but I really don't. Like, I can't get all of what I got to get out in them little, what, 240 characters or whatever. I'm done. So if you beef with me on Twitter, I might hit you with one line. But if it's something for real, something that's deep, I got to talk it out. So let's talk it out. Here's the tweet. Yo, at Marcel Swatty. Oh, he said it with like, I think three O's. Yo, <laughs> Marcel Swatty. You should have been putting in some work so Acho ain't take your job. You were doing all that shucking and jiving and still got fired. Ooh, there's some layers to this one. All right. Let's just clarify before I go out there and identify, and then I'm about to annihilate. Um, The first thing is I keep telling y'all, I keep telling, I guess, you, you know, you can't tell a fool nothing. I didn't get fired. It's okay. I mean, I, I get it. Like when you're not at your job or your boy ain't at his job, it ain't because he just quit to start an enterprise, right? It's, he got fired. I didn't get fired. I'm going to say this one time. I'm going to say it simply. Fox wanted me to do a different show. They wanted me to do two different shows. They certainly didn't want me to do speak and they didn't have any fight from me because I didn't want to do speak. And that's no slight to them. That's just something I didn't want to do. Y'all see what that is now? That's four people getting it in. That's not what I want to do. Simple as that. Not with those four people doing that show. It's not a slight. They told me what they were thinking. They told me it was going to be different. They told me it was going to be lighter. They talked to me through it. I was out. Then they offered me another show. I've said this before, but let me say it on my own because I've been saying it all around other people's podcasts and cross-promotion. Um, and I really was close to taking the first things first job, really close. Um, I thought I was going to have to sacrifice too much with my family, frankly. Um, I thought the family dynamic was the toughest part. And I talked to all those guys over there, and they're all good dudes and my homies. And, you know, that's an older show, and I really like that part. And they have grown conversations. I really like that. Um, but And it's a higher-rated show, so it was a promotion. <laughs> But it wasn't a promotion to me because I was like, yo, I'm in L.A. If that show comes to L.A., let's talk. But it didn't. Um, that's it. Don't want to go too deep into that. Let's get back to this tweet. Um, so 
they wanted me also to do another show and I didn't want to do that show. But then I was like, then again, I do. And it was like, you know, a football show. And I was like, Ooh, if I could talk it my way, I'll do it. You know, cause I don't like third and go. People know me like all the producers over there. I used to always say, I do not want to do NFL live segments. And I used to start, I started my career doing NFL live. I just, I, I was like, nah, I don't care about third and go. I care about people. I care about players. I care about what they're going through. I don't care about what they're thinking. I'm caring about like the stuff the fans don't really know about. So we got down the tracks with that one, but it didn't work out. So that's two shows on the payroll throughout this entire process when I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired, but I'm getting paid. <laughs> so whatever. Just got to clarify that. Okay. But that ain't what I'm really about. That's not why we're talking about this tweet. It's the shucking and jiving part. Okay. Let's talk black people. Let's talk all people. But shucking and jiving is only for black people. I never heard a white person shucking and jiving. So let's be real. Let's be specific. Uh, The dude said he has a problem with me because of some of my anti-black takes. You know what I hear from that when I hear I have anti-black takes? That means that he thinks I criticize black people more or worse, which neither is the case. What I think he's really saying, and he doesn't know yet because he hasn't really confronted himself, is that I leave no stones unturned. You know, I pull no punches. If a black person does something wrong, I say it's wrong. I'm not talking about a black person. I'm talking about the wrong. If a white person does something that's wrong, I'm not talking about the white person. I'm talking about the act that was wrong. As a matter of fact, correct me when I do. I only talk about acts, not actors. Half the people I talk about, I actually know are friends with. Y'all could name them. Yep. I could text them right now. I call them right now. Whoever. I don't have those problems. But I also don't have this problem of, oh, I'm going to take it easy on my people but then I'm going to go hard on everybody else because I am not a member of the tribe. I am not about tribalism. I'm not. And I hope you are not. But if you are, you're going to find out sooner than later how that not only undermines who you could be, but also doesn't give you a clear picture of the world for real, the world at large. This world is not giving a damn if you're tall, you're short, you're white, you're black. It's checking for actions first. And all those other things come into play on very subordinate levels, real subordinate secondary levels. But first and foremost, it's about them actions, boss. So when you hear somebody say you're shucking and jiving, oh, you're trying to tell me that um, I'm not on code. Sorry, didn't know that the monolith <laughs> wasn't real. I didn't know that. Black people had to be on code. I didn't know I had to be on the code. Motherfucker. <laughs> think I got to be on the code. And then on a code that you think that exists or a code that you think that you wrote or a code that you think that we all subscribe to, man, you better stop playing with me. Grow up. Grow up. There are too many kids almost held in mental bondage because they feel those restrictions. You don't believe me? Talk to a lot of cats. I do. I talk to a lot of cats. And it's unfortunately a reality that a lot of them face resistance in their greatest ambitions. 
They wanted to be the smart kid. They wanted to be the skateboarder. They wanted to be the guy off brand for a black person, I guess you want to call it, who wasn't uh, part of the code, who wasn't part of the culture, whatever the hell you want to say. And all of a sudden, that person's identity, that person's thoughts, that person was questioned. That's crazy, right? We're all different and we're all equally the same. (laughs) Right. We're all different, but equally the same, man. Like, that's how I look at it. I don't understand what the hell shucking and jiving is. Now, I know what you're trying to say. You say, oh, you're trying to make those white people happy. (laughs) No, man, I'm trying to make me happy. I'm trying to make mine happy and mine look a lot different. I got friends from all walks of life, all corners of this world. And it's just crazy that the same people like, you know, oh, I'm going to speak on brand. I'm going to speak on code are also the same people who want to say, I want my equality. I want my rights. I want my freedom. I want my liberty. Well, how? So, oh, 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 you're going to get it this way until you feel you have it. You're going to only protect yours and hate on them until you get it. And then when you got it, now we're all equal. Now we're going to actually play fair. It's really absurd. You know, I try to own my house on the high road and and pay that mortgage, stay on that high road. But I rent an apartment on the low road and I don't start anything. But certainly I am happy to finish it. Um, And that's conversation with me. That is not physical threat. That is not anything. If I see this guy, (laughs) I still ain't said your name yet. I am going to actually talk, speak. Actually, gonna put that pressure on them. Say, oh, them, them Twitter thumbs, uh, they were they were active, they were moving. What's up now, partner? But we're gonna talk through it. Cause I don't hate you. Just hate some of the shit you say. <laughs> it's ignorant. It's just so ignorant. Oh man, cornbread hustlers. That's what I call them. They cornbread hustlers. Just always talking that, oh, you ain't. Don't worry about me, bro. I'm good. You good too. And congratulations on training and all the guys you get and the publicity they say I gave you, whatever. Man, I ain't got a hateful bone in my body. But I also ain't got a punk bone in my body either. So, you know, you talk to me, come at me, talk to me for real. Um, But this whole like looking at the world through a lens that you think is only yours and only ours, you need to grow up. It's a big world. Nobody give a damn about all that. In this world right here, we got to start to realize we got greater issues than you trying to tell me that I need to act a certain way so you can feel better about yourself. (laughs) What? Boy, I know you was waiting for the tweet. Oh, want to be Sharif ass and menace? (laughs) Oh, want to be militant? Oh, don't let me start joking on you. Now, one thing I will do is joke your ass. You know, he trained Jalen Hurst and boy, he did a good job with that. Except that last throw, but <laughs> let me stop. You better keep training. Um, now, Jalen Hurts is a monster. I love Jalen Hurts. I don't love you. Um, I got love for you, but I don't love you. Um, I just want you to know, keep talking about me. It's not free publicity for me. Um, I think everything comes at a cost. Everything comes at a price. But I just wanted to set the record straight because a lot of people say, oh, man, I don't want to see two brothers out there fighting. You ain't. You know, I ain't fighting nobody. I don't give a damn what he says, what he does. He ain't getting my. He ain't getting my hands. But we will talk through this. 
oh, I won't back down from the conversation because I really want to help the next kid. I want to help the next generation have that true freedom that you say you're fighting for. But at the same time, I got to be restricted to the black code. Whatever the hell that means. Black, black, look. Uh, what do they say? Don't argue with a fool from a distance. People can't tell who is who. Yeah, I feel that way. Um, I really feel that way. But hey, keep doing you, brother. I'm watching. Even if I don't respond, I'm watching. Sniper. <laughs> I'm a sniper with these words. All right, let's talk about somebody else who I guess um, is on brand, on code. Um, I read this story and I was like, damn. Stella Jean, y'all heard of her? Maybe it's Stella Jean because she's in fashion. Only black designer in Italy's fashion chamber quits. She quit the Milan Fashion Week, citing lack of inclusion. Well, now they really ain't got no inclusion because if you're the only one there and your ass quit, what do you think's left? Nothing. To me, this is ignorant. I'll tell you why it's ignorant. It's like you're almost trying to make this statement. You're trying to virtue signal. Like, oh, there's not enough of us. So you're going to take the one that's there and go away? No, I'm trying to bring publicity and attention to it. Won't you do that within, not on the outside? <sighs> now she's doing a hunger strike. It's not helping. Let me, let, me, let me address what tokenism is. Let's talk about that because I see the power in being the only one. Whereas a lot of people think like if I don't have someone else that looks just like me or somewhat like me, then I feel like this is not fair. How about you be so damn great at whatever you want to do that they're going to find a lot like you? And it ain't about your color. Maybe you're not great because of your color. But the point is they're going to listen to what you want if you go out there and succeed. Man, I never thought about tokenism, but I'll be real. I, I went to elementary school, all black school, it felt like, like 90 some percent. I don't remember any white kids, be real. <laughs> even in my neighborhood. Like, what? I, I grew up in a black neighborhood. Um, that started to change in junior high and obviously high school and certainly college. Um, so I didn't have to deal with tokenism because I was like, I don't even know what it was. I didn't even talk about it. Like, it's all black. But there were times when I was like in certain certain circumstances where I was the only black kid. And I never, never felt out of place. Never. Because I wasn't there because of my color. I was there either on the academic decathlon team. I was there because I was at a track meet. I was there because I was on a football team. I was there because whatever I was doing at that age, kickball, I was there to do something. So when somebody didn't look like me, oh, well, I was looking more for who could do what I could do. (laughs) Like, that's who I'm looking for, the competition, not the color. And it was crazy. Like, and then I got introduced to what tokenism was. And I've had family members come up to me and like, yo, we got to have representation. MJ and them, they need other black kids in their class. I was like, yeah, I mean, if they do, good. If they don't, oh, well, MJ in there and he fine. Trust me, he's going to be fine because I was fine. You're going to be fine. Like, your power is not on the outside. Your power is on the inside. It's your greater, greater good is in here. Your greatest ability is internal. Mental, spiritual, the heart, the mind. You got to be greater than your greatest excuse and be greater than your circumstances. That's how you get out. The reason I I was able to succeed, frankly, is because I didn't let all these other issues get in the way of what I really wanted to do in action. Physically, yeah, I was in dire a dire situation. Physically, oh shit, man, I, food stamps, welfare, broke. Mentally, I wasn't there. 
Mentally, I wasn't looking around who else was with me. Like, what, what we gonna save each other on color? <laughs> like, the only thing we got, like, the only thing we got is what we can do. And we got to rally around who can do it with us. And I had an interesting existence. Like, I grew up, we took care of two white families. You imagine being a black kid in Compton, taking care of white people. And then you hear how white people are supreme or white people are more powerful or white people are superior. You hear all this stuff. And you're like, what? What? I know white people poor than me and I was broke as hell. I was like, what? So I got a, I got a different way of looking at it. I'm not going to say weird. I got a different way of looking at race relations. And frankly, I don't get bogged down in them. I try to make sure that everyone is fully represented, but I know in reality, that's based on actions. That's going to be based on circumstances, totally not based on color. It's going to be based on like what you bring in. I see, I see on the daily, I'm going to say it, billionaire black dudes. I see Byron Allen. I see Jay-Z. Just last night, went and saw John Legend. He ain't a billionaire, but damn it, he got more money than me. <laughs> These dudes are treated, I don't know what it is. And it's like this narrative out there, like, oh my God, if you say how black people are really powerful, you get two responses. Oh, you're ignorant or are you still just the N-word? Man, I don't care how much money you got, you're still the N-word. Maybe the N-word is not E-R or A. Maybe it's R-K, like network. Maybe it needs to be a greater network of black people Versus always saying that somebody got their thumb on us because of our color. Sorry, y'all. Not the one. I done made it too far. And I made it far because I used this first. This brain, bruh. Before I played football, I was a golfer. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, before I was a golfer, I was in the spelling bee and academic decathlon team. That part. I'm not here to brag. I'm here to empower, you know? I'm not trying to impress you guys because you can impress someone with your accolades, but I want to impact you, and you impact someone with your scars. So I always go to that place. I'm always going to be in front. I'm going to be the windshield. I take the bugs. I take the hits so y'all can feel more freedom. And we're not going to get restricted by what someone else thinks we should look like, what someone else thinks we should act like. Or that there are not enough of us there. Because if your ass is there, that's enough. Make that grow. Make that plentiful. Okay, let's switch gears right now. Get off all this race talk, damn it. Oh, God. Oh, this nasty. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Uh, did she want somebody to throw up on her? Yeah, I saw this video, Lady Gaga. That's nasty. But I ain't going to lie. Every single game I played in, I used to throw up. Every single game. Can y'all believe it? Had no idea I had acid reflux. This is how ghetto I was. This is how broke I was. <laughs> I, I'm in the league with asthma. I knew I had asthma, but I never had an asthma attack, so oh well. But I used to throw up every game. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was nerves, so I kind of wrote it off like, oh, man, I'm nervous. But I was like, I ain't scared, but I'm just nervous, excited, whatever, anxious. And then I retired. My wife, medical professional, she's like, um, excuse me, baby. Yo ass got acid reflux. And I was like, why you say that? She said, because you just ate 10 tacos with ketchup. And now that was an hour ago. 
You're still chewing. You know why you're still chewing? Because your nasty ass is over there throwing up the food you just ate because you got acid reflux. And I swear when she told me that, I was like, oh, I heard of that before. I'm like in my 30s, late 30s. <laughs> and I start seeing commercials talk about it. I was like, what? Man, I should sue my doctors growing up. What the hell wrong with y'all? Y'all ain't tell me I had acid reflux on broke ass. But I was a nasty little kid. I can't lie. I was nasty. They used to call me Booger Boy because I used to eat boogers till I was like 10 or 11. That's way too old. MJ7, he's still cracking them. So he better calm down. He go, But that is daddy's little boy. <laughs> he's still cracking them. All my kids eat them. A little, but they four and two. So come on. That salt, you can't get that salt anywhere else. So I was a booger boy. My sister used to tease me. God, they used to talk trash about me. Um, I, uh, this one, I used to pee in the bed till I was, a, I was 13. <laughs> I still got a weak bladder. So I thought it was because I was shook. Thought I was scared of the streets. <laughs> but really, your boy is just, I got a little bladder. Like if I, if I drink, if that seal gets broken, oh, she, your boy, your, your boy is in the bathroom more. I'm at the table kicking it with you. Trust. So all that said, man, Lady Gaga, you nastier than me. And I thought I was nasty. <laughs> the hell? Like you asking somebody to throw up on you. How'd I make the instrument sound better? How, how'd I make your voice sound better? To each his own. To each his own. Speaking of to each his own. Mm. Y'all hear about the story in, in Florida where uh, the female athletes and their menstrual history no longer appear on the medical forms that Florida high school students have to fill out before participating in sports. But the new form still will ask athletes their sex assigned at birth rather than just their sex. Oh, y'all catch that? Florida ain't playing. Florida like, fuck that. <laughs> Florida, Florida like, whatever. Do you? All right. I have no issue with transgenders. I do have an issue with athletes who are transgender trying to play, trying to participate, uh, going from a transition of a man to a woman and now playing with the women. And I will say that y'all can try and Dave Chappelle me all y'all want. I am very clear on this. You could be a transgender. You could be the homie. Matter of fact, let me see who I know that's transgender. Uh, I know him, but a couple people. No, one in my circle. Uh, loosely, though. Whatever. Come, come, come over and kick it, dog. Um, but I'll be damned. I'll be damned. If a male at birth turns into a female and tries to compete against my daughters, she ain't out there. We, we, we out. We are out. We are out. And don't get, don't make this a human rights issue. This is a biological issue. Simple as that. Trust me. I am a man. <laughs> and trust me. If, if there was a one woman's NFL right now, and you know, I'm 48, I'm way past my prime, 48 years old. If there was a woman's NFL, I could transition and play in that league and make the Pro Bowl. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, my hamstrings would tear every other game. I'll be Zion Williamson out there barely playing, but I'll be an all-star starter like him. <laughs> I ain't playing no games. Dog, do you know what? My wife is jacked. She's 40 years old. Jacked. Six-pack and all. Jacked. Man, please. <laughs> I can't even arm wrestle her. 
man, please. The stuff she asked me to lift that she can't lift, I'm like, this ain't heavy. Now, maybe she playing me. But the point is, come on, y'all. I don't care how many hormones and drugs and all that. Look, as a human rights issue, it's not an issue. Transition. Be, be, go from man to woman, woman to man. But, but if you go from man to woman, don't compete against the girls because you're not competing against the Wiley girls. Nope, nope, nope. I will protest. Damn it. And I think that's the way it should be for obvious reasons. I can't believe there's even like another side to this conversation. And then I'm like, why can't the dudes who transition to women actually empower women and compete against the men? Since you so damn bad, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I would do. Like, if I were me, Marcellus, and then tomorrow I'm Martha, I change my name, I change up my gender, I'm now a woman. You know what I would try to do? Compete against the dudes. Why? Because that's empowering. Oh, you don't want to do that? Why? I w- why? Hello? Anybody? Because it's easier, damn it. <laughs> Wait, Flojo, what's the world record in the, in the 100? 10, 4, 9, 10, 4, 8? What's it in, in, in the 100 for men? 9, 5, 8? A damn second almost? Man, y'all better stop playing. And why use objective numbers? Because it's pretty easy to digest. This is not an issue. Y'all not, don't hit me with no tweets like uh, that dude did. <laughs> don't hit me with none of that. Because I was just, I'm not backing down from that. My daughters were not competing against no dude. And then some of the injuries and issues that come from it beyond the dominance and not all of them dominate because look there are some there's some dudes that turn into girls and can't compete with the girls i ain't saying that but the ones who are oh they eating that's part of it rewriting the record book and it's like uh used to be a dude come on can we compete against your own transgender men who become women you compete against them. Look, I've been to track meets. I've been to competitions before. And it's just, I've been to track meets before. Nobody was competing against nobody. It was just one dude from one team. You compete against yourself, whatever. We we set up new standards because I do not like that at all. It's not, I hate saying fair, but it's just not even right. Forget fair. It's not right. And it ain't happening over here. No, sir. Not me. But I can tell you what is happening over here. What Idris Idris Elba said, he says he no longer describes himself as a black actor as it put him in a box. Okay, I think we should I think we we should fixate on who is typecasting and putting actors in boxes because of this. Another actor wrote not on making weird adjustments for them. We continuously focus on what we have to do so they don't do this or that. Very worrying. We black. And that's that Mm, because they came at Idris. Idris said, look. I'm no longer a black actor because it limits me. He said, I stopped describing myself as a black actor when I realized they put me in a box. You know me. The only box I want to be put in is no box. I get it, Idris. We got to grow. We got to. Our skin is no more than that. It's just skin. Rant over. And you know the rant wasn't over because they lit his ass up. Well, keep lighting because come light me up then, damn it. Because I ain't put me in no box. It's crazy. People should be questioning the box or who is putting them in the box rather than who's in the box. <laughs> but they're going to turn on you. And that's why, remember the guy who tweeted at me and this. That's why it's so ignorant because y'all be going at the wrong person. Go at the structure. Go at the system. Whatever the hell that is. But don't come at me because I ain't trying to hear that I got to do certain things. I can do what the fuck I want to do. Right? I like this story. 
Now, let's beat this story up, though. He says, uh, humans were obsessed, were obsessed with race and that obsession can really hinder people's aspirations. Oh, really? I just said this. Hinder people's growth. Oh, really? I just said this. Racism should be a topic for discussion. Sure, racism is very real. But from my perspective, it's only as powerful as you allow it to be. Oh, my God. Didn't know that Idris and I uh, have so much in common. <laughs> mm. And that's not to dismiss those who don't have that in common. Because I actually have some friends who are like, dog. Man, they be coming at me hard. And I'm like, all right, that is your experience. Let's talk through it. But my experience is my expertise. And that is my original Wileyism. And if you hear anybody else say it, stop, thief. <laughs> but in all seriousness, woo, you're never going to cure racism because you're never going to cure the symptom or the illness. Now, the symptom is how you express it. You know, the person that is discriminating, the person that is looking at you, looking at you like you're inferior. They got to have power over you, right, as well. Um, and the illness is evil. <laughs> Boy, every issue comes down to like just OG Bible, OG old school biblical terms, right? Love, hate, you know, good, evil. It really does. And no matter what you're thinking of, at the core of it is not the, the race. At the core of it is not even like the person. It's what embodies all of us. In, it's, it's in all of us. We are yin and yang, brother. We are love and hate. We are good and bad. We are good and evil. We really are. We really are. You don't believe me? Mm. It's funny because I was having this conversation. This is a weird little tangent, but um, I used to have a lot of homegirls that used to judge, like based my, my professional homegirls used to judge the LA models and you know the girls I used to date. My homegirls with good jobs and careers. Like, Why are you always dating them hoochies and all that? And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, she ain't got a great job yet, but she ain't no hoochie. I mean, she might have been, but point being, who are you to judge? Because you got a good job, all of a sudden you exempt. You a hoochie too. We used to mess around. Don't think I forgot. <laughs> I'm just saying I ain't doing all what they do, and I got a good job. I was like, okay, that's your protection layer. I get it. I ain't going to attack you. And so then it, I thought it stopped there. Like my homegirls who was to judge, the professional girls who would judge, the, the other girls who didn't have their stuff together just yet. But then the, the girls, the hoochies, as they say, who didn't have their stuff together were judging. The other girls who were worse off than them, they said. And I remember, I went, I remember going to Brazil and telling my homegirl what happened in Brazil. And boy, um, and she was like, goodness. And then she was like, man, uh, she was like, I can't even go back on topic. And she was like, she's like, oh, no, oh, down there, all oh, them girls are. And I was like, wait a minute. Up here, they talking about you like that. And then it, it made me, it made me realize, like, how circumstances, how your situation can push you into places you don't desire. What do I mean by that? That's kind of like the hood is for whoever lives in the hood. And let's not make the hood synonymous with black. I get tired of that. Just like poverty and poor is not black. I get tired of that. Get tired of that. Like white people live in the hood. <laughs> Mexicans live in the hood. Uh, Latinos, Hispanics, Chinese, like whatever you go name, 
Everybody lives in the hood, right? You don't believe me? Go back to my old neighborhood. <laughs> you might see me somewhere. You might. It is not looking the same. Trust me. And it ain't gentrified yet. <laughs> so stop it. Um, point being, I just saw it all go down. And the worst of circumstances, the worst of behavior. Simple as that. I was like, damn. So how much of it is like biological? How much of it is just based on your ethics? How much of it is socioeconomical, right? How much of it is race? How much of it is class? I was like, damn, it's deep. But all that said, what Idris is trying to say is, look, I'm up to be James Bond. Even if he's not James Bond, because I heard somebody else got it, but I don't know. He like, dog, like when, when am I just going to be an actor? <laughs> like, and, and I hate when people like, oh, Marcellus, you're the first black guy that I'm like, that means there's a bigger group. Now, I want to just be the first guy. You imagine I walked around saying, yeah, I, I, I'm the first black kid from Compton to go to the Ivy League. I just want to be the first kid to go to the Ivy League for my family. First kid from Compton to go to the Ivy League, because you can see that. But the black part just kind of threw me off. Like, I ain't the first. <laughs> I ain't have to fight through all that. You know, my dad did, and he did it. So now I just want to be the kid that goes to Columbia. I just want to be the kid that that is. And that's what I think we're all seeking. Just to be, just to be, not be something, just to be. All right, let's switch gears, man. It's Tiki time. What do you think your mission in life is? Woo, man, I ain't got enough time. I think my mission in life is really somehow, some way, I'm going to globally help others express themselves themselves in fullness. That's what I think my mission is. I think my mission in life is going to be, I'm going to be one of those guys that is going to inspire, empower people to be who they really want to be. Because I know it's scary. She, I mean, I, <laughs> Lord, don't make me start talking and crying about how many times I had to fight just to be me. You know, I got told I was a gangster. I got told I was a crip. I was like, I ain't no crip. All right, then, where you from then? You a blood? No, I ain't no blood. All right, then, then you ain't from neither. So now you better bang for nothing. And you still better bang. You still got to survive it. Like, I, just from hello, I feel like I've been fighting just to be. So I think my mission is, hey, since I'm built to fight and survive and thrive, I'm going to help others. I'm going to empower them to do it. And hopefully, without all the hell that I had to catch to do it. All right. Hashtag ask that dude on Twitter. Uh, oh, this is a different one. It's not even a question. It's just like a little statement. But y'all can send in whatever you want. Um, I grab them all. Praise to this Chargers role model, Marcel Swally. Oh, that's love. Who told my son four years ago that what he accomplished in the classroom was as important as what he does on the football field. Straight A's, my man, for this young man since that day. See? Wow, the universe is conspiring, supporting. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I remember seeing... That picture, and I remember that moment, I went to a Kings game. And it's not the parents' fault all the time, because I'm even guilty of it sometimes. Like, it's just easier for a parent, especially a dad, it feels like, but both parents, to lean towards athletics. Like, because you cheer, you know, you're, you're supportive. You go to the games. You don't go to the tests. You don't yell at the tests. <laughs> oh, Johnny got an A. 
Not in class. You do it when he comes home. In class, when he answers number 12 on the test, you don't go, whoa, first down. <laughs> no, you don't do none of that, right? So I get how it's almost rigged as a parent to always talk about athletics. So every time I meet a parent, immediately I hear how good their kid is in sports. And I always push back just to balance the conversation out and say, how are your grades? How are you doing in school? Because I always kept that balancing act. <clears throat> and then that kind of throws the parents off, especially if the kid's not doing so well. Got a little dummy over here that's balling, <laughs> right? So I just say, look, man, you're going to be smarter a lot longer than you're going to be a baller. Be a scholar baller in that order. Scholar baller. So uh, I remember that little kid. I'm glad that four years straight A's. I need to see the report card. I don't believe y'all. <laughs> That's love, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's my mission in life. All right, time for Wileyism. Staying up for every hour I was slept on. Ooh, Big Sean said that. Boy. <laughs> Staying up for every hour I was slept on. Yep. Yep, I'm working. I'm a workaholic. Y'all working. I know y'all working on it, right? We working on this together. Yep, we putting in that work. It all starts with effort. I tell my kids all the time, you can give it your all. I can't guarantee you'll always succeed, though. And that's it. Like, we're going to give it our all. My teams, the kids that I have influence on, that I mentor, that I impact, that I coach, my mentees, shh, I don't even want to talk about the results. We talking about building that engine, that hardware. So therefore, that software, which life applies to you, you can nail it. No matter what life throws at you in software, you got the hardware to deal with it. That's right. Shoot, staying up for every hour I was slept on. And I was slept on so long. In so many ways, none of my boys thought I was going to go pro. None of them. Stop lying. Um, none of the girls thought I was going to make it. None of them. And I mean, look, I was a late bloomer. I give it. I give them some of that, but at the same time, I wasn't even trying to convince them. I was trying to prove it to me. That's why I wasn't bitter. That's why I wasn't resentful. That's why I went back and dated all those girls. <laughs> That's why I went back and kicked it with all those homies. Because I was like, man, I get it. Y'all made the smart bet. I shouldn't have made it, but I did. Now, I'm going to make the smart bet on these kids. Give me your all. Give yourself your all. And let's figure out how this all going to fall, fall, fall into place. Figure out how this all going to make, make sense. But don't try and think through it from the end game back. Reverse engineer it. Don't say, I'm making it to the league and I'm going to graduate Columbia. Mm -mm. Just say, today I'm putting in that work. Today I'm staying up for every hour I was slept on. That's how you get to your goal. That's how you win in the end. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys. We went there today. Goodness. Got to love it, right? All right. That's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Today! You want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Panella. I'm Marcellus Wiley, That Dude. Thanks for listening. And thanks for those reviews. I keep seeing y'all do the reviews. We family, homie. We family. Keep them coming. There's more coming for more to it. Talk to you next week. Gone. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.